American, Chapter 9, by Matthew C. McLean, A Shorthand Missile Tale. During one of my breaks, I checked on T-Bolt to make sure he was okay after getting slugged by the brick. While his paunch and receding hairline didn't suggest it, the middle-aged Frenchman was a sturdy sort. He just smiled around the chipped tooth and broken nose like the professional he was and said it was nothing. I finished up my shift. Checking out at the security station, a sullen Jasper ignored me, upset that Satre's arrival had overshadowed anyone possibly caring about me leaving my sector. I would have thought the excitement surrounding the crime boss's arrival would have given him something to focus on other than petty blackmail, but he barely glanced my way as I signed out. Nobody does haughty quite like the French. In the pre-dawn light of the city, I paid more attention to the reflection of the street lamps in the sidewalk puddles than I did to what was going on around me. Mintnik and Satre occupied most of my brain, so I didn't see the old Citron BX pull up, riding along the bollards beside me. I only noticed it when another car honked its horn, urging the Citron to speed up. Knowing who it was, I pretended not to notice. I was a few blocks from the casino, but not quite to the tram station where the BX's tinny horn made it impossible to ignore. With the hook of the umbrella's handle resting on the crook of my arm, I stuffed my hands into the peacoat and turned, trying very much to appear as if I might have picked up Satre's Tokarev. With cars whipping past in the outside lane, the BX idled there. I walked over and bent down as the driver finished cranking down the passenger side window. His black hair, thin face, and aquiline nose were lit by the headlights of passing cars. He leaned back into the driver's seat and smiled at me as if inviting me into a limousine instead of a beat-up old hatchback. Get in. With the regret of a tired streetwalker, I gave him a doleful smirk and reached for the car door handle. I thought about making some excuse, but I decided it would only delay the inevitable. I climbed in as another automobile blared its horn. Ignoring the anger of the other car, the driver waited until I got in before pulling away from the promenade's pedestrian walkway and getting up to speed. How you been? I stared at the oncoming lights. I've been fine, Atwell. How are you? I'm an American in France. Does it get any better? He made it sound like he owned the place. Given the treatment I sometimes received as an expatriate in France, I wasn't sure I agreed, but I didn't want to prolong our conversation. So I replied, I suppose not. I could feel Atwell trying to gauge my temperature. His efforts at being subtle equaled his attempts at conversation. He abandoned both with, So I heard it was an interesting evening at the casino. Yeah? I didn't see a reason to mention the Corsican's voyous or the fact that Micnick was likely the one who sicked them on me. It didn't make any sense to me, so I didn't want to have to try and explain it to Atwell. 
Atwell's impatience hardened his words. Exiting the motorway towards the city's interior, he said, Tell me about it. I knew this was the reason that Atwell had shown, so I let out the bare bones. Merrick Mitnick was gambling at the casino this evening. I became aware of his presence around 11 o'clock p.m. At 11.30, Carlo Satre arrived and proceeded to threaten Mitnick with a pistol, physically assaulting him and evicting him from the premises. I detached from the conversation with, I suspect they may have been in the midst of a dispute. I felt Atwell's impatience slowly roasting in anger over my dry listlessness. He pulled into an alley, streetlights blocked by the segmented columns of two neoclassic buildings. Police? No. Casino staff kept it under control. Smartphones are on lockdown on the premise, and so there were no calls out or digital evidence. And you didn't think I needed to know about this? You seem to have learned about it all on your own. Both Satre and Mitnick work for us. Us meaning U.S., meaning government. The idea that men that powerful were pawns of whatever obscure anti-terrorist department Atwell was a part of struck me as unlikely. I said so. Believe it, there's a lot of shipping that comes through this part of the world, and they tell us if anything is coming our way that we need to know about. In exchange, you let them operate without interference from law enforcement. I wouldn't call that working for you. That sounds kind of like what me and you got going on. You saying you don't work for me? Atwell very much resembled Jasper in that moment. Thinking about how I got here and Atwell's cheap manipulation, I felt my fingers flex. Instead of wrapping them around his throat, I replied, I don't see a W-2 with my name on it. It was Atwell's turn to grin. You're a funny guy. Yeah, that's what all my co-workers say. That American, he's a funny guy. I mean, I think it's hilarious that you get let guys like Satre and Mitnick get away with bloody murder just in case they might be able to tell you something. And controlling my anger, I couldn't help but let my disapproval slip out. Atwell switched gears into pedantic. Let me ask you something. If you were given the chance to go back in time and kill baby Hiller, would you do it? I hoped my expression communicated how stupid a question I thought that was. If I could time travel, I'd probably just go buy some of his art. Not surprisingly, this only confused Atwell. What? He wanted to be an artist. If someone had supported that ambition, he probably would have just lived his life out in Vienna hawking postcards. That there might be a solution to his question other than the one he possessed only deepened Atwell's confusion. He shook it off and got to the conclusion that he wanted. The point is, sometimes you need to do bad things to get good results. I had seen that kind of logic get manipulated by desert nomads as ignorant as any redneck, and I'd seen the piles of corpses that resulted. But rather than try to explain that, I replied, or you could just mollify his ambitions a bit and prevent him from turning into a monster. Mollify? Fancy words like that, no wonder you think you're so smart. I had a lot of time to read in prison. And unless you want to go back, you'll help me figure out what the beef is between Mitnick and Satre. 
I can't have them fighting each other right now. Tired of trying to be subtle, I reach for the obvious conclusion. If Mintnik's Russian mob, Belarusian. That was the first useful thing Atwell said in the conversation, and it gave me pause. After a moment, I continued, If he's not Corsican, and Satre treated him like that, it means he thinks Mitnick is moving in on his territory. I stared out the windshield. There. Mystery solved. A part of me wondered if Mitnick knew about my reporting to Atwell and my relationship with Satre. It might explain why he had pointed the voyous in my direction. Atwell's growing impatience translated into a jackal's grin. If that's the case, I want details so we can make this go away. You're such good friends with these guys, why don't you ask them? Because I'm telling you. I faced Atwell to let him know I was taking him seriously. Okay. Satisfied, Atwell gestured towards the passenger door, letting me know I was dismissed. As I moved to exit the car, Atwell added something as if it were meant to be an afterthought. Sophie has been around asking questions. Any idea what that's about? None. My tone was flat enough that I doubted he could detect the lie. But he might have, because he chose to bait me with, Well, she's been sucking cock down at the vehicle registration. Still turned away from him, I could feel more than see his smile. I thought you might want to know about that. Before Europe, before Sophie, when Cheryl was alive and we had medical bills to pay, I had worked for a man named Gastardi, doing collections and learning an entirely different kind of violence than the Marine Corps had taught me. That experience, in its most intense moments, often held in spaces like this one, allowed me to do some quick and angry math in the dark, narrow alley. At this time of night, in this part of town, chances were good no one had seen me in the car with Atwell. In the contained space of the Citrion, I could kill him without too much noise and disappear. Anyone who did see me probably wouldn't be the type to go to the cops. Either way, though, without Atwell, I'd be a fugitive, and Sophie could end up on her own. So instead of murdering the opportunistic little weasel, I just said, Now who's a funny guy? Ah, <laughs> uh, I just like fucking with you. Feeling the first light of the coming day begin to glow around the city, I smiled and told him, Glad to be of service. Then I stepped out and closed the car door. Watching the sedan trundle down the alley, I wondered about how Sophie had become acquainted with Atwell. And even though I tried to keep my mind away from it, I wonder how she had convinced him to spring me from prison. On a rational level, I knew that these questions were what his comment was designed to provoke. The fact that I was letting it work only made me angrier. <laughs>